0: Welcome to the Jeff Knows Inc. Show with your host, Jeff Lopes, where we bring you the world's top athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, influencers, and their journeys to success. This podcast is brought to you by NordVPN. In today's digital world, everyone's online privacy is at risk of being watched or tracked. NordVPN is an easy-to-use service that creates an encrypted tunnel that hides your data and protects your online identity. You can easily connect to NordVPN with a single click or enable an auto of zero-click protection. There's a reason why NordVPN is the fastest VPN service on the market. They have over 5,600 servers in 59 countries. They make it easy for you to connect up to six different devices on every major platform with such ease. Right now, NordVPN is offering plans starting as low as $3 a month. Plus, you get four months free just by visiting www.nordvpn.com forward slash J-K-I. And at checkout, make sure you use coupon code J-K-I. That'll give you your discount plus your four months free. That's www.nordvpn.com forward slash J-K-I. We are live. We are live on the Jeff Nozine Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Lopes. Super excited to have on today Ian Wendt. What is up, brother?
1: How much, man? How's it going? It's good to be here.
0: It's going to be a fun conversation. I, I yeah. was just talking on prior to air. He has a little Canadian connection in there, which is nice. His wife's from uh, dual citizenship, but she was from Calgary, uh, Alberta, Canada, which is pretty awesome. Have you been there before?
1: Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, I. It's funny because I will get into this. I'm originally from New York. My my dad is actually from Columbia Falls, Montana, and that's where they that's where they my family's currently living right now. Um, right where he grew up actually. But what's funny, dude, is prior to meeting my wife and going to Calgary, all I knew about was like, I don't even know what direction it is, but just Alberta, <laughs> al like just like plain Alberta. So I always, in my mind, I always thought Canada was just this like flat wasteland, and <laughs> and uh, like like cardston, like, like all I ever really knew was
0: cardston right? That's that's very American of you to say that.
1: I know, dude. I know. It's terrible. But there's a reason why I'm saying that because it is, it's so true. And I want to kind of expose that right now because I think everybody thinks that that doesn't really understand Canada, but oh my gosh, dude, Calgary is probably one of my favorite places on the planet. I absolutely love Calgary. It's uh, it, not only are the people just incredible there, but it's so pretty and it's so oh, clean. It's beautiful. Yeah. Like, dude, that's, that's the one thing I noticed too about it was it is so clean. It is such a clean city. And, uh, no, we, I've been there. I've been there many, many times. I haven't been there in a while now because of, you know, things going on, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's an awesome place to be. And, um, it's just funny because prior to, prior to Calgary, I was like, when I first went home with my wife, I was like, Oh man, I'm I'm going to, you know, Cardston again. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got you, there, and I'm like, what the freak?
0: Like this is yeah. incredible. So you, you never been to down to Toronto or Ontario. No, at
1: all. I haven't been to Toronto or Ontario. Um, I definitely want to visit one day. I've been to, like I said, I've been to Calgary, I've been to BC. Um, I've been to like uh, you know, Banff. And in uh, those areas, absolutely incredible, beautiful. Yeah,
0: uh, Cal- Calgary is a, is a great outdoor place. I mean, it's it, it's an outdoor playground. If you like, I mean, we talk about Baff, you talk about skiing, you're talking about hunting. You're talking, it is outdoor heaven there. And then when you're yeah. dealing with Calgary itself, the city, it's 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 developed so much. It it, it was it went through a really great developing stage because um all the obviously the oil rigs and everything there was it was really heavy populated and then it kind of died out a bit. in the last year and a half they're pushing it again and you're seeing the population growing the the house economy growing like calories is 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 changing again and it's, it's a I mean, in Canada, it's probably top two, three places to live in, right? It's absolutely beautiful. Toronto's different. Toronto's more – they say is almost like a, a replica of Chicago without the violence and a little cleaner. And, um, and it's, it's Toronto's very multicultural, great restaurants, great nightlife, great entertainment when you're having sports and stuff. So Toronto's a great little place. And Toronto's nice is the north part of, of Toronto, which is Ontario – the north part of Ontario – there's a lot, it becomes very like Calgary. It's very, a lot of greenery, a lot of Algonquin park, a lot of hunting, a lot of outdoor camping. So it's, it's a nice mix as well. Right. So it kind is nice for the Americans that don't know about Canada. You should yeah. come visit. We, we, oh, really, we love having you guys here.
1: I, I'll be honest right now. I don't think, uh, I don't think I would, I would necessarily live up there with how things are going with. Uh, Let's talk, current, we'll talk about, about that. Dictator. We'll talk about that. We'll talk bit. about them. We'll talk about him. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but man, if, if that was changed and, um, you know, if, uh, if some other things aligned, that would definitely be a place that I would absolutely love to live. Is it, me-
0: Cal- Calgary is a great place even to retire. It is a beautiful no, I, place.
1: Absolutely. And, and, you know, if you're, it, yeah, I mean, people just need to go there to understand. It's funny because I also, I'm sure we'll get into this too. We're just basically like touching every subject right now, but yeah. I come from uh, I come very heavily from the door to door space. That was kind of where I got my start in sales and marketing, and um, I've I've always said if if you're a door to door knocker, and you look at like the grid of Calgary, like you look at the way the houses are and the demographic, it is like it's a door knocker's dream. It's just miles and miles and miles of cookie cutter homes, of you know just like upper middle class uh families that like that it's just that's 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 dream. that's a that's a suburbs like, of Toronto. You, suburbs you Toronto is exact years. exact yeah suburbs of
0: Toronto are exact exact same thing. It's cookie cutter houses uh middle to upper and it's just money and and it's just house after it's so congested. So congested.
1: Hey let me let me shut the door really quick. Yeah yeah 100 percent hundred I'm afraid we're gonna get a lot of noise. Yeah I apologize, man. I thought that was shut. No worries. I'm just marking it down so for us to cut. it is a little bit. I yeah, yeah, it. yeah. No worries. Um. Anyway, yeah, it's it's uh, Calgary's awesome, dude. I absolutely love Canada, and truth be told, it's it's probably one of the like really the the number one thing that sticks out to me every time I go back to Canada is just how how kind the people are. The people really are some of the kindest people on the planet, and it goes to show man like my wife is a freaking saint like there's there's not a person on this planet that doesn't like maddie and that she doesn't have a single enemy because she's just so kind like to the point sometimes where it's like it makes it just makes me look like an asshole because (laughs) she's so thoughtful and so kind i mean i probably am an asshole
0: no i'm just i'm Um, saying that it feels like me and my wife how
1: long you guys been married for so we've been married for about eight years um seven years technically it'll be eight but yeah she's uh she's incredible we've been together for 10 i think 10 i just
0: i just i just passed 19 years marriage and we've been together add another seven on top of that dating on and off for seven so it's time flies man
1: how old are your little ones so i have one uh little boy he's three years old and i have a little girl and she's one miles and sloan yep Miles yeah. or, or Bish, uh, Bish, Bean and Squish is bean how people. wish. You said they're
0: they're, they're, sorry, they're one in. You said one in three. One in three. Yep. Oh, they're so little. My, uh, is nice. crazy. Is I mean, I'm I'm 10 years older than you. We we talked about this before we went on air. My my daughter's 16. My son's 14 already. Wow. How's that? Amazing. Amazing. I, I've I've I mean I wrote a book called Entrepreneurial Dad. I mean I've 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 kind of mastered the whole fatherhood thing. Where I mean my relationship with my kids are. So super, super tight work. I get home from the, I get home from work and, and they're from the office and they're my gym partners. We go to the gym every day together. We're all, we're always together. We have such a great relationship and they're, they're incredible kids that from day one I've kind of taught them this work ethic and, 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 Stability and and a purpose where I mean we get home my 16 year old daughter has dinner ready has clothes clothes in the washer and the dryer like they're they're so responsible and they're and they're they got this work ethic which is incredible I mean my daughter she does not have to work but she wanted a job we got her she's working on a farm she's sixteen working on a farm part time in the evenings and and on weekends and I'm like she she's enjoying it she does track she does dance all kind of stuff my son plays baseball so it's been uh they're great kids so
1: what would you say is sorry cut you off. No, go, go, go. go. Was, I'm curious. I always I'm always curious about this because yeah. you know I'm a new father. What would you say is like the key factor to um why you guys are so close, like why why you say that you're so close with your kids. Cause you know there's a lot of people out there right now that are that are struggling with that. Um
0: present. Being present. Yeah. That's all yeah. it is. Being present and understanding that um you have to let them learn on their own. You have to help them break their own fears. A lot of parents are always so overprotective. I mean, I'm the dad from at one years old. I was just like people, we have friends of ours are all like allergies and don't feed your, and I'm like, let our kids play in the dirt, feed them peanut butter, let them just Let them live, let them be kids. And at the same time, teach them, teach them the values, teach them what stuff. And then and on purpose, we did from day one, uh, we introduced fitness from a very young age to them to the point where, they're 14 to 16 they go home they don't play over fight over video games they fight over who's on the treadmill so fitness has become a huge part of their life their lifestyle activities stuff like that so one being present i mean if you got only you're a busy entrepreneur if you only have half an hour a day off your damn phone be present get yeah. them out of their environment take it don't just sit at home with them i'll take them out for a bike ride take them for a walk Like just be present doing things with them keeping them active um Make sure that they are aware of everything that's going on in your life. So be very open with them. Me and my wife are always open with them. If we're going through issues, if we're going through struggles at work, we tell them. So they're aware of everything that's happening. So they have that attention where it's not them sensing something's wrong. They have understanding that, hey, mom and dad, this is what they're going through. So we're very open with them. And I think another thing which I've done from day one is um, when I get home, I reset myself. I mean, it's so easy Ian, to get home and have a shit day or somebody cut you off in traffic and you're pissed off and you walk in with a shit look in your face and automatically that, that, that intention, that, that vibration, whatever you want to call it, automatically passes through the house and the rest yeah, of the night, it. everybody's in a shit mood. Yeah. Yeah. But you walk in, you reset yourself before you walk in, take a deep breath and, and walk in with a smile. Everything, the night's a great night, right?
1: Yeah, you know it's interesting. You you say some of that stuff. I actually just I just had a uh, a conversation with a couple of people. So I was I was down in a in, at an event um, in Utah this past weekend called uh, um, Vertical Union, and it's basically it's a two coaching groups. Um, if anybody's familiar with Rob Bailey, who is the founder and CEO of uh, Flag Nor Fail Apparel Company, and yeah, also yeah. And then he's also a rock star. He, he, you know, he has like uh, a bunch of, uh, albums. He's if anybody's seen the movie Southpaw and they, and they've heard that song beast, you know, I'm a mother. Beast. Yeah. Yeah. I won't swear. Cause I don't know what your audience is like, but <laughs> they, uh, and I also don't swear a lot, but they, um, he's the one that's screaming beast. So that's, Interesting. that's Bob Bailey. And then the other one is, uh, the muscle or Keaton Hoskins, who's part of diesel brothers. Okay. And, uh, so they both have their own coaching groups, and they kind of came together to do this event. It was an incredible event, but anyway, the probably the most impactful conversation that I had was actually with um, Travis Bott. And so, if anybody doesn't know who Travis is, he's uh, he's a super successful investor, but he's also um, very very proficient in like the crypto and NFT space, specifically yeah. NFT, I believe. Um, and I've known him for a while, but anyway, we were we were kind of hanging out in the green room, and I just I asked him the same question. I, I always ask my friends and colleagues about parenting, because I think that's something that gets really, really overlooked when it comes to this, because, you know, everybody's so concerned with, well, what businesses are they running and what, you know, what are they doing as influencers or what's this or what that. And it's like very few people actually ask us about our parenting and our kids and things like that. And so I always try to be intentional about that when I'm with people, because I want, I want these guys to know, like, I'm not super concerned with your business as much as I am with like, I want to get to know you as a person. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. how you make friends. It's not just, I don't yeah, want to just 100%, 100%. Yeah. So, so anyway, I said, Travis, what's, you know, what would you say? Cause he's the, he's a girl dad. Um, and I I'm probably wrong about this because my memory is terrible, but I believe he said he had three girls and I said, what is, you know, what would be your number one um, piece of advice as far as being a father goes and just like parenthood in general? Right. Just, just overall general advice, kind of like what I asked you. And he actually said something that will stick with me for probably the rest of my life. And I will definitely, definitely implement it with my kids. And it goes along with what you were talking about. He said, he said, stop raising your kids. You know, we as parents are taught to raise our kids. In other words, we, we are taught to basically, like you said, control their, every move, control their, every thought, you know, uh, tell them not to do this and that they can do this and et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, he's like, we need to get, we need to stop raising kids and we need to let kids live their lives, let them experience life. And what we should do as parents rather than raising our kids, we should help them become more in tune and understand their emotions and understand what certain decisions make them feel like. And I said, well, elaborate on that. He said, well, because you know, rather than help them make their decisions, let them make their decisions and then, and then step back and say, how do I feel right now? Are these feelings that I'm having, getting me closer to becoming the person I want to be, or are they getting me farther away? And then because of that, I can, they'll, they'll then be able to say, okay, well, this decision is not a good one, right? This decision is not one that I want to make. This is not something I want to do. This is not the direction I want to take in my life. And, um, he said, just help your kids become more in touch with and more and more understanding about the emotions and the thoughts that they have. Exactly. And, and then going along with the other thing you said, he also said, and be open with them and and you know, allow them to be the ones that are making the decisions because accountability. Yeah. I mean, accountability is probably not only the number one thing that we should be teaching our kids, but it's also one of the biggest, and, and we can talk about this later or whatever. But I think accountability is probably one of the biggest uh crisis that we have right now in the world is the lack of accountability it's what's caused i believe 99 percent of the problems that we have in society and you know so he gave me a simple example he said you know my my daughter is turning 16 and i said okay i took her you know i took her for a drive and i said if you get a's i said i said basically i said you're gonna get a car when you're when you're old enough to drive it right if you get a's this is your car if you get B's, this is your car. If you get C's, this is your car. If you get D's, this is your car. So so he said, in this way, you know, I'm not making the decision for her. If she gets the crappy car, it's not my, that's her decision. She made that decision and now she owns it. And I was like, man, that is such a good example of how you actually, you know, build, um, h- how you teach kids to be accountable. Yeah. And then followed up, I apologize, this is longer, but no. followed up. So I had someone else then after that, uh, Rob was talking about his brother who is a father and he was talking about how, when he tries to get a hold of his brother, his brother's like nowhere to be found. And he's literally like his, his CEO or, or COO or something like that. And he's like, it's ridiculous. Like I'll call him, I'll text him and I'll be like, everything is burning to the ground. Where are you? And there's no answer. And he said, the reason why is because he's Sammy with his Tom. kids. Yeah. Yeah. Sammy. And what, and what he told Rob was, he said. He said, I wear hats. I wear a lot of hats as we all do as entrepreneurs. And he said, he said the number one piece of advice that he ever gave him, that his brother ever gave Rob is when you are doing something, wear that hat. So he said, when I'm the COO or CEO, I can't remember. He said, that's the hat I wear. When I'm at home and I'm a father, that's the hat I wear. I don't wear the CEO hat while I'm being a father. And I don't wear the influencer hat while I'm being a CEO. And I don't wear the investor hat while I'm being a father or a CEO or an influencer. It's like, I am, I am wearing the hat that I am in that moment. And dude, I got to tell you, like it's, that is something that that also has stuck with me. Even just last night, we were on date night, me and my wife. And and we went to the movies and there was a super pressing um, video that I had to post for a charity donation thing that we're doing right now. And, you know, I had to, I I literally remembered that. And I was like, no, I'm wearing, I'm wearing the husband hat right now. Like, yeah. And, and so I'm not going to post a video. I'm not going to, I was going to walk out of the theater and get it done and then come back. And I was like, nope, that's, this is how you, uh,
0: How you know. I describe that. And it's something I, I talk about a lot. And I, even, I think I wrote it in my book, actually, it's, um, it's the non-negotiables. So when you're looking at your schedule every month, you slap into your schedule. I actually, and people think I'm, people that don't know me when I first tell them this, I think I'm, I'm whack or I intentionally put time in my schedule for my wife. I t- intentionally put time in my schedule for my kids and you call the non-negotiable and those are locked in. And I got, I, I I'm with my kids from two to three, no matter what, that's my exactly. Like you said your hat, that's my time. Everything else is a matter of that point. And being right. intentional right. with sticking with your non-negotiables. Cause it's so easy to be like, I got to get one more phone call at the office and, r- and run a little late really? run. It's so easy to do all these things as an entrepreneur. Cause y- you're, you're so goal driven. You, you want to succeed so badly, but you have to understand that. There's non-negotiables. And if this business is so important to you, you'll find a sacrifice. You'll find a way to sacrifice. Whether you work later, start earlier, sacrifice what you have to sacrifice And and when it comes to sacrificing, I always say there's two things. When you're looking at your schedule, there's a ton of things I guarantee anybody could really study your schedule. You'll find there's a shitload of things that shouldn't even probably be on there that you could probably delegate to. And then when you're looking at also your schedule, there's probably a ton of people in your life that really shouldn't be there as well. And they're wasting your time as well. So really understanding how to eliminate those things is so, so, so important. I want to ask you something before I forget. Um, Your children, are they dual citizens as as well? Uh,
1: That's a great question. I believe so. You believe so? Come on, Dad. (laughs) My wife knows the answer to that question. I'm I'm pretty sure they are, though. Uh, That's a good thing to have. I think just because she's a dual citizen, they are citizen. They are as well. I'm like, were they born? Were
0: they they were born in the U.S. Obviously, so that might not be. You might still have to apply for it. But look at that. If they're not, I would just look into it. I know she's applying for it. Good, 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 good. It's always good to have. I remember her
1: talking to her mom about it. I just don't remember if she was saying they are now or we were working on it. But. Um, so it, it's interesting you say what you just said too, about the, the schedule and everything, because I, it's kind of the same thing that I always say when I, um, so prior to all of this, I had a, I had a full marketing team. Like I, I ran, I ran an entire marketing team. Um, and we were, so, and, and I also ran all the sales training and leadership training for a, for a major sales company, but with my marketing team specifically, I had a couple people who. Um, like my director of marketing and uh, and my my lead designer, there was something that I was constantly telling them um, when we were trying to like figure out priorities and like, you know, what needed to get done and, and what could kind of sit on the back burner and everything. And I, what I always said, and what I continue to say today is there are things that you should do and there are things that you could do. Right. Yeah. And And, and what I've always tried to focus on most is when I'm, when I'm coming up with those things that I'm going to do every day, it's like, okay, these are all the things that I could do, but these are the things that I should do. Yeah. And I'm always focusing on the things that I should do. Once those things are out of the way, then you can start knocking down the things that you could do. Yeah. Um, Because you know, again, as an entrepreneur, like, you know, this, there's a billion things and, and and, and there's a billion things. And then as every hour of the day goes by, there's more that gets stacked up. Always, 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 always. I think it's, uh, I think it's something important that people need to, um, for sure that people need to, to, to recognize.
0: Let's talk a little bit about Ian growing up in New York. Sure. Yeah. Like,
1: do you have any siblings? I do. Yeah. I'm so what of, what part of
0: what part of New York do, you did you grow up in?
1: So uh I grew up in upstate New York. Okay. Um this yeah, this is gonna be th- this is gonna be a heavy one for you, Jeff. Okay. So, so I uh I grew up in upstate. I was born in Middletown, New York. Um and uh I had one brother. Um his name is Kyle. So I I'm I'm three years older than him. And uh by the time I was three, my my dad and my mom were actually divorced already. Um and my and for the next like few years we we were we shared they shared joint custody of me and my brother um and then when i was about 7 my dad remarried uh my stepmom who he found through uh, church and basically from then on that's where my other brothers and sisters came from now the i'm trying to think how to like transition this so my mom Uh, My mom suffers from paranoid schizophrenia. She actually is uh, (laughs) right now, as we speak, she's actually homeless in Vegas. She lives literally in front of the cosmopolitan Mm -hmm. and uh, it's, she, she's been that way for a very, very long time. And it's due to a lot of things. It's due to verbal and mental abuse. It's due to drug, drug abuse. It's, it's a lot of things. It's actually a really sad story. Um, because she was, you know, she was she was not always like that, but she just got involved with the wrong guys and involved with the wrong situations. And, you know, even my dad, even though he's and we'll get to this, but even though he's made a complete 180 in his life, like he he'll tell you he was, you know, he he contributed to that as well. Um, but anyway, so my um my dad remarried my stepmom. And during that time, my mom, my mom's kind of mental decline was like, in the process. And so throughout my entire childhood, my mom's mental state was basically declining slowly. And, uh, and that, that, that was constantly developing. Now I had my grandma and my, um, my aunts and uncles on my mom's side that were basically, they were basically like moms and dads. Like they basically stepped in where my mom wasn't able to, to hold up. And, uh, and I had an incredible childhood when it came to, you know, being with my mom's side of the family, like they're, I love them to death. They're they're amazing. I I think most people in this world don't have, um, the the blessing of being able to be so close to their extended family like I was. Yeah, and so that was that was a huge blessing. But anyway, my my dad, um, and my stepmom, they they just my stepmom basically helped my dad. You know, kind of change everything about his life. So my. If those aren't, I don't know how many people are familiar with the LDS religion, but I'm LDS, and yeah. my dad grew up LDS. Um, and uh, before,
0: before he, we before we continue, just I, I'm not I'm I'm personally not familiar with it. Break it down, explain it. But yeah. Give me like a two little minute culture sure, of what sure. that is?
1: Yeah, yeah. So LDS is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. Oh, so okay. Yes, yes. A okay. lot of people yes, know them yes, as Mormons. Yes. Um, and and uh, before anybody. It freaks out. We are Christians, very much Christians. Christ is the center of our religion, even though there may be a lot of things that people say that, long story short, come to me and ask me any questions you have, and I'm more than willing to answer them. Um, there's a lot of misconceptions out there about the religion, just like anything else. But yeah. anyway, long story short, that and we don't have 15 wives, by the way, at all. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it is not a 15 I have one wife. Anyway, uh, there's extremist sex that just cause a whole lot of chaos for us. But that, that's anyway, going to be the promo for this podcast. That little I don't right now. have 16 wives. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> anyway, so my dad, my dad left. Uh, he, he was one of 12 and he left when he was 18 um, and just kind of took off. And he was a door to door salesman for, for years and years and years. And that's how he met, met my mom but he was also a uh, a pretty big alcoholic um and he had a lot of issues and after everything kind of fell apart with my wife or my wife my mom um he was he was kind of in a place where he was working a bunch of different jobs and he was trying to keep custody of us and he started to go back to church and um our church has what we call ward missionaries which are basically people two people a couple usually that are assigned to kind of like help other members of the church that are struggling with things or just visit them and kind of help them, you know, feel loved and feel taken care of and, and, uh, and kind of get back on their feet. And so, uh, my dad was being visited by a, by a couple, by, by a missionary couple. And long story short, man, their wife, or why do I keep saying that? Their daughter was on a mission, um, and uh she was coming back from korea from a religious mission so in our in our church we serve two year missions yeah. we basically go around and preach about christ and uh she was coming back and they they loved my dad and my dad had started to make some changes in his life and he started to kind of get himself cleaned up and and basically was getting more involved in church and things like that and so As crazy as this is, they were like, we want to introduce you to our daughter. Like this, this deadbeat dad that has two kids and divorced and three jobs. And they were like, we want to introduce you to this amazing daughter of ours. Anyway, long story short, that ended that's my stepmom. So, so they got married um, and had uh, another boy and three girls. And so that's my other brother and my three sisters. Um, I'm the oldest of all of them. Yeah. And, um, anyway, we lived in New York for, uh, my entire childhood up until I was 18 years old. And, um, we lived not in Middletown. We lived in a small town called Burlingham, which is literally, we had a post office and a corner store. Like you drive on the road and you'd miss the entire town. If you blink, we lived in a, in a uh, trailer park called river's edge and a single wide trailer with, um, eight of us. Wow. And uh, or no, sorry, seven of us because my my younger my youngest sister wasn't born yet. Yeah, but eight of us in a single wide trailer in upstate New York. And for those of you guys that don't understand, like upstate New York climate is extremely harsh. Like the winters it's, are freezing
0: it's, it's 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 Ontario weather. It's it, it really yeah freezing, yeah, exactly. tons of
1: snow, freezing. Yeah, and then in the summer it's like hellfire hot. Like yeah. humid, humid, percent, humid. Ninety plus percent yeah. humidity. Yep. Yeah, and um just to put things in perspective, like we always had what we needed. Like, I don't want to make it sound like I'm like, like we just, you know, we absolutely struggled for our like lives. Cause we always had what we needed. Yeah. Um, especially with my mom's side of the family that that took care of us too, but we didn't have what we wanted. And we definitely did have, you know, a harder, a harder childhood. My dad worked. Um, he, he sold door to door. Still, he sold life insurance door to door. He was a full-time uh, religious leader in our church. And then on top of that, he was going to school full-time to get his bachelor's because he didn't get his, he didn't go to college earlier. Right. Yeah. And so he was doing all of that with a family of eight living wow. in upstate New York and a single wide trailer in and probably one. And, and I didn't even realize that realize this until after I left, but that trailer park was like a, a really rough area. Like looking back now, I'm like, Oh yeah, that was probably like the meth capital of upstate New York. Like Seriously. It was, bad. It was yeah. bad. And, um, and so anyway, we, uh, you know, to put it in perspective, like during the winter, it would get so cold, but we didn't have a lot of money. And so we weren't able to just keep the heat on at all times. Right. And so in a, in a, if you guys are not familiar with a single wide trailer, you have basically the back that is like two bedrooms and a tiny hallway with a laundry, with a, with a little space for the washer and dryer. And then you have the kitchen, the living room, and then the master bedroom and one small bathroom. That's like the size of an airplane bathroom. Well, maybe not that small, but with a bathroom. Yeah. And um anyway, during the winter, we would uh we would all basically live in the living room where it was the warmest. And there were two vents. There was one vent by the main window, and then there was another vent by the front door. And we would all go at the beginning of the winters and we would buy oversized t shirts, or we would just take the t shirts from our from our mom and dad. Uh, by the way, if I say my mom, and we'll get to this, I'm talking about my stepmom. Stepmom, okay. She, uh, okay. she stepped in, right? So yeah. anyway. Um, we would get their shirts and we would wait until the heat kicked on and all of us would rush and and just race to those vents to sit on the vent, throw the shirt over so that we could stay warm. Right. And we basically just had to take turns. Um, during the summer, we had one air conditioning unit that was in the, in the, in the window, in the kitchen, like a swamp cooler. Right. Yeah, yeah. And we would block off each end of the house so that the, the heat you know wouldn't escape or whatever or wouldn't get into the living room yeah yeah. and we would live in that area all summer long and um all of us and i don't even know how many square feet it is i mean it's tiny right yeah and um you know juice pizza soda all that kind of stuff like that going to the movies any that that was that was a luxury you know i mean that was like oh my gosh um And, and it was, like I said, we, we had everything we needed, but it was definitely not the easiest lifestyle. And it taught me a lot about hard work and sacrifice and made me appreciate, you know, um, wanting my kids to never have to go through those things that I did. Right. And, uh, anyway, so yeah, we lived there until I graduated high school. Um, when I was about 16, kind of backing up a little bit, when I was about 16, my mom left, um, just up and left one day, she went to Florida. And we got a call like a couple days later and she was like, I'm in Florida. And I was like, all right. And that's, to be honest, that was kind of where I emotionally and mentally wrote her off yeah. where it was just like, okay, like whatever. Um, my little brother struggled more with it than I did. But as, as, as like, I don't know, as, as caveman, as it sounds, I kind of was just like, I don't really care. Like whatever. I I just I didn't want it at the time, right? I've been able to process it now as an adult, but at the yeah. time as a kid I was like my mom's gone. Like I have my stepmom, I have my dad, I have my mom's side of the family that still love us and take care of us, but my mom is gone. And 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 I was kind of relieved to not have to deal with some of the crazy episodes and things like that that I had had to deal with with my friends um and just being the kid with the crazy mom, you know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, uh I left home when I was 18 to go to college. I, and I went to BYU, Idaho, and Rexburg, Idaho. Um, my, when I left for college, my family moved out to Columbia falls, Montana, which is where my dad is originally from. They literally moved to the same property that he grew up on and lived in my grandparents old house. Um, because they could finally leave. Right. There was nothing tying them down. There was no, you know, my mom couldn't say anything cause she just up and left. Yeah. And they could finally move away from New York and get away from all this really, you know, heavy, bad stuff. Yeah, of course. My dad opened his insurance agency um, and they've been there ever since. And then I went to school for a year and I left on my mission. I served the mission in Nicaragua. Um, I lived in Managua, Nicaragua for a little over two years Well, all over Nicaragua. Yeah. Um, And then came back, went to school again. And long story short, I met my wife while I was at school. Uh we got married. And you know, here we are. That's kind of the childhood side, I guess, without going into
0: there's a there's a lot of questions I have, a lot of things I'm missing. Hit hit me, dude.
1: You know what? This is actually exciting because like I said. When I do these podcasts, most people don't dive into that kind of stuff, but I think it's actually. I think this is is
0: important to know who's the person, who who you're actually talking to, right? This is how you become. I could tell you, you everybody, I've had 100, like I said, I've been a guest on about 120 podcasts last year and a half as a guest, and I've also hosted just under 200. And everybody I've had on, I get their phone number when I'm done, and and we have a relationship, and I help them out. We help, and we we keep yeah. in contact yeah. because That's it's true. just it's just it's you you learn about people, you learn the the truth and in their and in their, in their honest goodness side of them, right? Which I I love hearing. Right? There's yeah. a few things I want to say there. Um, one comment you said. I just want to get your mindset when you said everything that you didn't have or or growing up or you the difficult as you did, you don't want your children going through that. And yeah. and why I'm going to say this is because I, I I remember somebody saying to me years ago because I I had that mindset too where giving like obviously I make I taught my kids work ethic and all that but I always had that mindset I wanted to make sure they had everything everything I didn't have because we came from very humble beginnings too my dad was worked at Ford Motors factory worker and all that and and somebody said to me is like it's their biggest fear is their kids will be given so much that they will never truly understand or appreciate the work ethic or the, the value of earning something and, and all your hardship turned you into the man you are today in a way, I think probably built you into this amazing entrepreneur, right? Because you learn how to hustle. You had to grind from a very young age. Where's your mindset with that with parents over giving to their kids?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think there's definitely a, a thin line as far as um you know, what you give your kids and what you make your kids earn. I like the the parents that just give their kids everything they want, you know, they have a freaking escalade by the time they're 18. They're, you know, they have literally everything that they've ever wanted the whole time growing up and they never have to work anything for I think that's a terrible, terrible approach. Yeah. And I know a lot of kids that have turned out just the the sense of entitlement that comes from that, that you yeah. that you still in a child because of that is unreal. Now, there are those few cases that get everything they want their whole life and they still understand that okay, if I want to continue to have this, I have to work my butt off and I but it's a I I feel like and this is just my opinion, this is not facts or anything. I try not to speak in total absolutes, but like I feel like that's very few and far between. Most kids that are that are given everything they want from a very early age, I believe end up um being very entitled and very dependent. And that is the last thing that I want for my kids. So when I say, when I say I want to make sure my kids never go through the things that I had to, um, I guess what I really mean is I want them to experience uh, what it means to work hard and I want them to experience what it means to have to go out and get their own and like, you know, go out and kill their own so that they can uh, have what they need and provide for even themselves as kids. Right. Like, if yeah. you want to be able to buy an ice cream at school, like go out and do this so that you have that money to be able to go and get it for yourself. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's but, a provi- the provider mentality, right? Y-
1: yes. And it's, and it's what we talked about earlier. It's accountability. Like yeah. I want more than anything for my kids to understand the, the power and the purpose and the importance of accountability in yeah. their lives. Because I think that someone who understands that that's the, co- that is the common denominator and the divider, in my opinion, of people that are extremely successful and the ones that aren't, Yeah. Um, that aren't trust fund babies or something. Right. Like yeah. it's, it's the ability to be accountable for not only the wins, but the losses and everything and understand that everything that happens to you for you is because of you. Yeah. And, and uh, the people that understand that are able to to move mountains in my opinion. And so like, that's what I want my kids to have more than anything. But what I don't want is, you know, I don't want my kids to have to freeze in the winters and oh, of course. suffer and suffer in the summers. And I, I don't want my kids to, you know, come home from school and know that the only thing that they have to eat is a tortilla with cheese on it that they stick in an oven. Like that was, that was our lifestyle. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't want them to think that cereal is a luxury yeah. or, or, you know, I, I want them to have the simple things in life. I think, um but i don't want them to just have everything they want i want I, them to-
0: I think what you you said from the your past event this weekend with the gentleman who was talking when I, I apologize for out his name, but um about that example of your grades with your daughter yeah the exactly. A, B, C, D car and and i've always said and this is one thing i 've always said too with my kids and and i've and I've said this from a very young age is is that whole mindset of you work hard, you play hard, so if you work hard and you earn it. I'm going to make sure you enjoy those fruits of that limb understand that you enjoy everything you've done to put it, whether it's a sport, whether it's a job, whether it's school, you're working hard, you study, you do stuff. Okay, great. Let's, let's, let's go out and chill for the day. Let's go out. I, I've, I've, I mean, during a pandemic was a little different, but for years and years, and we're actually starting up again, um, I call it four birthdays a year. I take my kids out individually because I want them to, to have memories of me individually. So four times a year, um, every three months, I'll take one of them separately out of school for the day. If it's my daughter, what do you want to do for today? Let's take you out of school for today. You want to do your nails, you want to go for lunch, you want to go, whatever you want to do. And same with my son, you want to go to bank. And I do that, and, and those are just building those memory banks. So one day when you're not here, those memories are worth a lot more than any toy you could ever buy them, right?
1: Well, yeah, and and I think, you know, there's an, there's a, they say you have to, they, they say you have to have, have money to make money. Right. Yeah. I, I think that that's not just, you can, you can apply that to a lot of things other than just, yeah, it's an entrepreneurship. It's like for, for a kid to understand, um, the importance and the luxury and and the enjoyment of having things in life, they also have to have those things. So it's like, it's what I said with Travis, like his kid is getting a car no matter what. You know, a lot of kids don't even get a car. I didn't yeah. get a car. Are you yeah. freaking kidding me? I, I rode the bus every single day until yeah. I freaking graduate, right? So like, I never had a car. But at the same time, like they will have a car no matter what. They will choose which one they have. But by having that car, it's still going to show them, hey, this is a lifestyle that I want to live. This is a lifestyle I want to maintain to be able to just say that I'm going to have a car no matter what, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and they're going to work towards that with the understanding and accountability that came along with the lesson that he's teaching them. So that's kind of, that's kind of what I want my kids to have as well. I want to create opportunities for them to earn money, to earn, um, you know, things or, or, or be able to go out and achieve. I, I don't know. I just, I want them to feel um, what it's like to, to achieve, you know, to a hundred percent, hundred percent.
0: It's funny you're saying that because I, I, my mom used to work at a daycare and for two summers 14 years old and 15 years old i worked the whole summer at the daycare where my friends were all out partying and having fun and yeah. out, all day i worked for two summers at a daycare just literally tagging along bonds on trips and just organizing the kids and helping make meals and stuff two full summers when i turned 16 um i back then in canada it was something called 365 you do your written um i took my dad's car four days later got my license and a week later, bought my first car with that money I saved for two years. It was a 86 T-top Mobile, 86 white IROC. And I rocked that car. And I was the only guy only guy in my high school that time. I was 16 with a car. And that was literally a week and a half after my birthday, I bought that car. And it was yeah. like it was like $2,000. It was, it was beat up like hell. But that was my pride and joy. But I worked for it. And my pride, My parents were like, you work for it? Here, go, go right ahead and do what you want with your money, right? Which I, I, I think was
1: they gave you that inspiration and that opportunity to want to go out and work for it. And that's, I guess that's what I'm saying is that's what I want to instill in my kids. You know what I mean? I want them to know that as cliche as this sounds, I want them to know that they really can be and do anything that they want to. And, you know, I, I truly believe that we live in a system that even though people say that, you know, like, even though people say, Oh, you can be anything you want, you can do anything you want. Nobody, not nobody, but most people don't actually believe that. I I genuinely believe that most people don't actually believe that you can do and be anything you want to be because the system, in my opinion, is rigged against us. You know, you go to, you go to school and you're basically taught things that, I, I mean, there might be applications here and there. And for sure, the social aspect is a good thing. But other than that, like, dude, I have a, I have a degree and I haven't used it once in my life. now. Don't get me wrong. If you're trying to be, you know, something like a a certain trait, if you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or something like that, and you actually require all of the knowledge that they give you in these schools to be able to, to accomplish that. Fantastic. There's definitely a use for it. But in my opinion, other than that, dude, we are literally going to school and learning how to memorize information and regurgitate information and be very subservient to be quite honest. Like we are taught you do this, you do this, you do this. And this happens. And if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. I can't even tell you how many times throughout my, I mean, dude, I spent most of my school career in a detention room or a counselor's office. A lot of it had to do with the crap that I dealt with as a kid with my mom and everything. else. But a lot of it just had to deal with the fact that I was a rebel from literally day one. And I was told all my life that that rebellious attitude and that refusal to be obedient and respectful to people that quite frankly did not deserve that respect at all um, was gonna be something that that killed me in life and that and that made it so that I wasn't gonna be able to get into a good school and have a good job and blah, blah, blah. And dude, that rebellious attitude is a superpower. 100%, it, it, it has, 100%. It, it has absolutely separated me yeah. in the biggest way from 99% of the people in this world. That's, that's, yeah. And I I know you understand. I know anyone-
0: I'm dying to jump in there because I was literally, and I apologize. I was, was, before you even started that rant, I was going to get into the educational system and talk about school and talk about high school because it was kind of like a little segue to your sales experience and your door-to-door because I want to talk about that. So it was kind of like a lead way into that. And and before you even started that all, because I did want to talk about the educational system and and i do believe there's a space for university and college exactly sure. what you said whether you're a doctor lawyer an accountant an architect there's certain fields that we need pharmacists there's certain fields that you're going to need that educational background to get to that field but even in those fields you get a dentist he's going seven to nine years of school and he's and he's got his own clinic and people look at him like he's doing an amazing he's got this beautiful car beautiful house he's in so much effing debt to hundred, it might be thousands of dollars it might be it might be eight to ten years before they're even at a level playing
1: field yeah and that's a doctor at their highest level dude the system is rigged to create a society of subservient and dependent and um And and honestly, weak people. I'm not. Don't take that the wrong way. I'm not telling. I'm not saying that you're weak if you're not, you know, this or that or whatever. What I am saying though is, you don't learn how to set up a bank account, and you don't learn how to balance a checkbook, and you don't learn how to how to get credit, and you don't learn what credit's good and what credit's bad, and you don't learn what anything about assets, and you don't learn about real estate, and you don't learn about any of the things that actually have the ability to separate us as 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 citizens from from the government and from everything else, because they don't want you to. And I don't care who thinks I'm a conspiracy theorist, because this is not conspiracy. They 100 percent do not want us to be strong and smart and healthy and financially free. They want you to be in a place where you are constantly looking for a handout. They want you to to be in a place where you're constantly looking for dependency, and it's even worse now. And and you know I mean, we don't need to get into all that. That's that's. Well, I that, mean, that I, awesome. know, I know
0: what you're saying. I mean, I mean, you look at COVID. I mean, that that was the Dude. government, especially in Canada, which just hand out, handout, everybody stay at home. Look, yeah, I, I, we won't get into that. But it's exactly what you're saying right but, now. But and it's, I totally it's agree.
1: Literally, it's years. It's years of that conditioned indifference to the fact that that these governments and these leaders. You know, once you have, I, I always say this, once you have all the power and the money in the world, if you're that type of person that is seeking that money and that power, then you're not the type of person that's ever going to step down a rung in the ladder once you've gone up one. No. And the only other rung that's left besides money and power is control. Yeah, It's the only thing left. Yeah. And so once you have the other two, it's like, okay, well, now how do we get the third? Yeah. And, in, and what you're watching in real time, just so you guys know, is you're watching the the acquisition of true control over the human population and it is it is very much inspired by by an evil presence by one that we've quite frankly cultivated because of our inability to recognize evil and push it out and and rather than not rather than recognize it and push it out we are not only accepting it we're inviting it and in everything, in Hollywood, in the news, in in yeah. regular everyday life, like we are bad is becoming good and good is becoming bad. And what happens when that happens is exactly what you're seeing is and it's just it's wild to me, man, because it all starts, it really does all start with our children, yeah and home home and, home, and, yeah. and how they are how they are, um, I'm not going to say raised, but how they are. It is raised. Grow up, grow it is raised. I, I agree. It is raised because if you
0: look at, I raised mean, we. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's also, I, I I think it has a lot to do with the parents as well. Right. Your parents oh, have a lot of parent. I mean, if you look at a parent, when it comes to fears, for example, like something simple like fears and you always hear your parents in the background, like don't run down the stairs. You're going to fall. Don't touch that up and you're going to burn your hand. Those are your parents from a very young age are teaching you fears instead of breaking your fears. Um, any form of racism, that's, that's taught. No, no kid in the world is born with racism. No kid is born with fears. No kid is born with low self-esteem. These are all things that are either started at home or the kids bring home and the parents allow it to grow. They don't yep. control it. They don't stop it from a very young age. So I think it does a lot of it start from home and not having that open. Con- like I, I had open conversations with my kids during COVID and, and, and my thoughts and my understanding of what was happening. I talked to them all the time about it. And 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 one thing as a parent, you're you're trying to eliminate that. As a dad, I try to eliminate as many fears as I can for my kids. If there's something they're scared to do, I force them to do it. I force yep. them to do it and I'll do it with them till they have that confidence that I'm there with them. So that, those are all, all things. And Going back to the system and talking about even high school, if you listen to any other of my past podcasts, and I apologize if I repeat myself on this, there's three things I always say that our educational system should be teaching as soon as kids get into any form of high school, grade nine, it's sales, and this is going to go into our next segue, it's sales, public speaking, and networking. If you taught those three skills from from grade nine to grade 12, when kids we would have so many more entrepreneurs. We have so many more successful people, so many more leaders just by teaching those three skills right through high school. And it's something they, they don't teach.
1: Why they don't. Why do you, so why? Uh, what is it, what, it's like, why? how can anyone step back and not say, oh, that makes sense. Like anyone that can hear that and say, well, why aren't they doing that? It's pretty obvious because if you had nothing but people who were self-sufficient, there's no more need for any of these other people that profess to have our health and our, And our well-being in mind, like it it eliminates it eliminates the need for that, right? And so, before you go into the next thing, I just want to say one more thing too. One hundred percent, yeah. Because I do think my and my wife actually helped me kind of see this. Um, We were talking about this the other night about the schooling thing, and and she kind of helped me see this. My son Miles is a very very social boy. Like he is, he's already out the gate. The type of kid that's going to try and be friends with everyone. He's very talkative. He's very outgoing. Um, wonder where he got all that, right. <laughs> he's freaking, he's a, he's going to be a, an absolute nightmare, but the truth is something like public school is actually something, as long as we're in a place where I, and I believe that we are in a place right now where we're not going to have to deal with half the crap that these public schools deal with across the country. But like public school could actually be a very good place for him as far as the social interaction goes. However, one thing I'm, I'm going to do as a parent Is he will understand from the very day he steps into school when when he can, of course, is, you know, this is this is necessary in in the fact that you're going to be able to make friends. You're going to be able to become social. You're going to learn skills for sure. Right. But I want my boy and my kids to understand that school is not a necessity Mm -hmm. and that if at any place in time they feel like, hey, and, and it's not just like we're slacking off, right? It's not just like, I don't want to go to school because I don't want to do my homework. Yeah. It's, it's hey, I don't feel like this is actually serving who I want to be anymore. And dad, this is what I want to do. And this is how I want to do it. You better damn well believe that I'm going to support him in it, well, and I'm going to yeah. say bounce and yeah. go do whatever you want to do. Yeah. And, and they are going to understand from a very, very young age that school is not going to teach them everything they need to know. And then it's not the end-all be-all and that they need to be learning things on the side. And that's what I'm going to be there for.
0: I appreciate you, choir, buddy. This is everything you said right there is, is how I raise my kids. Everything you say there is. And I mean, I mean, my kids are 14, 16. We've traveled what we were talking about the other day 26 different locations and and my son went through a medical issue when he was born and we weren't able to travel to we only started traveling when he was around four and a half five years old when we were actually the first time we were able to get on a plane so in 10 years they went to almost 26 places because i wanted yeah. to see things experience things learn different cultures see different things i think it's so so important and also build those memories with with us that i always say that because i always have that mindset of living with no regrets doing everything you possibly can now because there's no Purpose of tomorrow. There's no, we've been no unknown. We don't even know we're going to be here. As soon as you walk out your door every day, it's a blessing if you come back home. You know, everybody should understand that, right? So, doing everything right. you possibly can. Let's transition to the sales. So, because I think sales and is something I, I've been an entrepreneur since I started my first company at 17, but 19 on, um, I started college because my parents kind of forced my hand to go to college. So, I took fitness leadership, but I started a business at 19, a fitness leadership um, uh, personal training and consulting company. And so I started already really working on my own, but I always had that um, mindset of sales because as 19, I was doing consulting for a gym and in the individual that worked there, um, they owned the, the facility had a franchise of 36 gyms, biggest a-hole you'll ever meet, but an absolute wizard when it came to sales. And he taught me so much about sales, how to do walkthroughs, how to do PPs, how to, how to build commonalities and all all things that later on in life, I sat down and I'm like, okay, hey, like this is all shit. This guy was teaching me 20 years ago that yeah, people are now, like now NLP, people are going through NLP and all these mindset stuff about teaching all this. And there, there were all things that he taught me. I don't even know where he learned them, but almost 20 years ago I would building commonality, building rapport with somebody. So I think sales are so valid. And I think that made a huge difference in my career as an entrepreneur. Your dad did door to door that obviously rubbed on you. Um, did he ever have the time to, to sit down and teach you sales or is something you learned on your own? Did you, would you learn, like indirect
1: mentoring? Did you just watch him? Like, how did that all work for you to get into sales? It's funny that you asked that question, dude, because it's actually, no, not one time did I ever sit down with my dad as a kid and have him teach me sales. And, and I didn't ever actually even focus on his job until after I was older. So like as a kid, I didn't even realize like what he was really doing. I didn't, (laughs) it was, I always had, um, this is what I tell people. So you'll hear a lot of people in the sales space say, That there's such things as natural born salesmen. I don't believe that. I don't believe that you're just born a salesman. Now, what I do believe, and what I will say is that there is a such thing, um, there is a such thing as a natural born communicator or a natural born, um, influencer or, or a natural born, um, I'm thinking Uh,
0: thinking of the word right now, but there's there's a certain word I'm trying to think of. Is I mean, there's people that have that a charisma, charisma. Like certain people have a charisma. They have a little that that glow to them that attract people, right?
1: Yes, but it's also very much. I believe it's also very much developed in your childhood when you're around people who are like that. So, like, even though I never sat down and talked to my dad about sales, I was always around a man who was extremely charismatic, extremely good at relating to people, extremely good at. Um, uh, you know, being, being able to influence and, and sell quite yeah. frankly, right? Like I was always around somebody who was able to do those things. And so even though I didn't realize it as a kid, when I started getting older, I realized that that was something that definitely rubbed off on me from my dad, not the sales, like not the ability to sell, just the ability to do the things that really, really good salesmen have to be able to do yeah. those qualities. Right. And so um what, so, so to be honest, dude, when I started school, I didn't want to want to go into sales or anything. I actually, I started out as a film major. I love movies. I'm like obsessed with movies. There's pretty much every movie on the planet I've seen. And I absolutely love movies. And I was like, and it's still, even to this day, it's like a huge bucket list item for me to be able to, to direct a movie, to be able to, to write and direct a movie. Um, and, uh, Anyway, so that was my that was my start when I came back from my mission. Um 2 years later, I realized, okay, maybe that's not, you know, maybe that's more of just kind of like a dream hobby. It's not really something that I want to build a career on. And so um when I was in school, my first year back, I got recruited to sell door to door. Um and and prior to that, I hadn't thought about sales at all. I mean, I did just spend 2 years literally doing Like talking to people every single day and, and I don't want to say selling because you can't really sell people Christ, but like, you know, that's, I was knocking on doors and talking to people about Jesus Christ every single day for two years straight. Right. Which is a huge part of
0: sales a communication aspect, Huge.
1: huge. So that, that definitely like refined the qualities that I had already had from my childhood and just from being around people that were like that, like my dad. Yeah. Yeah. when the opportunity presented itself to sell, I actually, after I heard the guy out, I called my dad and my dad told me not to. My dad actually said, don't do it because the door-to-door industry uh, is, it can be an extremely lucrative and extremely, um, a, a huge opportunity. I mean, you make more money, you know, I was making six figures a year working four months a year. That's like, crazy. As, as a 21-year-old. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. it's ridiculous, right? And that that was you know, that's a low end. There's guys out there now that are making a million dollars. You were like, selling insurance? I was selling dish network and direct TV. I was selling satellite. Oh, wow. okay. yeah. yeah. So, um, anyway, it, it can be a, a huge opportunity, but it can also be a very, very toxic environment because it's a, it's an industry that is built on having to prove yourself day in and day out to other people and constantly having to, uh, produce, right. If you don't yeah. produce you don't make the money. It's not, yeah. you know, it's commission mission based. Yeah. And so he didn't want me to get stuck in this rat wheel of what they call the golden handcuffs of getting so good at one thing, but then being stuck knocking doors for the rest of my life, because yeah. there's a lot of people out there that are like that. There's, you know, like he was, Yeah. um, but I didn't listen to him. <laughs> and, uh, I decided to try it out and, um, yeah, man. It just because of my ability to talk to people, my I didn't have any fear of talking to anybody because of that and because of also my like rebellious attitude. You know, I didn't really put this together until actually a few years ago where I started to realize the reason why I was so okay with being told no and it didn't like bother me like it does most people is because of my rebellious attitude. People would say no and I'd be like, all right, F you, I'm going to the next person. Like, screw yeah. you. I don't, yeah. I, don't I don't care if you do it, like whatever. Yeah. And I'd move on. A lot of people can't do that. And a lot of people are affected by that constant no, 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 door slam, door slam, door slam, and constant. Quite, quite frankly, there's people that are really mean out, mean out
0: there. Yeah, of course, yeah.
1: Right, and so you're dealing with that all day, and a lot of people can't take that emotionally and mentally. I had such a freaking crazy childhood that my mental and emotional state was already kind of calloused. Yeah. And then on top of that, you couple it with this rebellious attitude of saying whatever. If you don't want to do what I'm telling you to do, f you. I'll go find somebody that will. Right. Yeah. It made it so that. I was able to be very, very successful, very fast, like right out of the gate. I sold my very first day, I shadowed a guy for like a half an hour and then I went off on my own and sold the first three doors I ever knocked. And people were like, what the hell? Like, who is this kid, right? Yeah. And and so it just, from then on, it just, it absolutely took off. Um, and uh, I knocked doors for about four years uh, straight. And um, I was always I was always one of the top producers if not the top producer. Um, and, uh, and, then, and then I managed a team because I wanted to try my hand out in managing. Because in that industry, if you want to get off the doors, the first thing that people say is, okay, we'll go manage a team, right? If you can get a team and if you can get a bunch of people under you that are selling, you can create enough income that you don't have to knock doors yourself anymore. So I was like, all right, let's do that. So I, I formed a team. We went out to Indiana. I learned very, very quickly that I am not a good manager. Interesting. It is, I am, it's not my strong point, um, because I don't like babysitting people. And that's yeah. all you do as a sales manager. All you yeah. do is babysit reps. That's yeah. it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: What I love doing is training and motivating. And so that part of it, I enjoyed very much. I loved getting people hyped up the day, you know, the morning before at, at our like correlation meetings. And I loved going out and knocking with guys and teaching them how to, tr- how to sell and yeah. having them watch me. And you know what I mean? But the the part that actually is super important in managing, which is the babysitting part, I was like, I'm out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, I'm not in the, the, no way. Right. Um, so after that year, uh, I don't know. Do you want me to go into this? Yeah, yeah, go, go, go. Okay. So after that year, I, uh, I decided that my dad was right and that I had gotten to a point where it was like, okay, I'm making ridiculous amounts of money every single year. I'm traveling the world. I'm living a life that most people my age dream about and think is an impossibility. Right. Yeah. But I'm not fulfilled. Like, I don't feel super fulfilled. And what I've found in my life is that fulfillment is the key for me to know when I need to pivot. Yeah. As soon as I start feeling like there's something missing, like that fulfillment isn't there, I know that something needs to change. And so I actually went to the leader of the company who I was friends with at this point and the COO, actually, one of the owners. And I said, Hey, look, man, I don't want to knock doors anymore. You know that. I know that. But I'm worth more than just you know, a few hundred accounts a summer. I can teach every single one of your reps how to do what I'm doing. I promise you, I can teach them how to replicate what I'm doing. And, and dude, I was doing it at like, I'm not trying to be cocky or anything. I literally sold almost every single door, if not every single door I ever knocked. Like it just, I'm, I'm an anomaly. It just, that's just, they called me prime time. I would go out from like five to nine and I would outsell everybody in a three hour period and i spent very little time outside i was always in someone's house selling yeah and so i was like i can i can i can duplicate this and in business anybody that's in business or sales or anything like you know how valuable it is if you can take a skill that you have that's on another it. level than most people and duplicate it yeah of course it's invaluable and so when i saw when i sat down with him i said okay this is what i can do i want to i want to build out the training system i want to actually build out the entire program cuz they didn't have one at the time And I want to create all the assets and I want to travel around and teach all the reps and the leaders how to use it. And I will literally build the training system from the ground up for this entire company. And he said, well, that sounds cool, but we don't have a position like that. And so, you know, you have to go out and prove that it works before we can ever like make that happen. So if you go out and do it, cool. It'll, it won't be a matter of, you know, if it'll be a matter of how, and I was like, all right, challenge accepted. So I left and that next year, I spent the entire year traveling the country. I put twenty-eight thousand miles on my car. Um, I overdrafted my bank account seven times, which, again, in the door-to-door industry, that is like that's an, that is, that doesn't happen. You yeah. like you, you make so much money that that's unheard of. But because all of my efforts was focused on teaching other reps and giving those sales away to them and helping all the offices and everything, I wasn't producing. So once again, I was reliant on on making sure that this worked and I was only no plan B no plan B I had absolutely no plan B I was like, this is going to work. And so anyway, I did that. I went office to office, region to region, trained all the reps, trained all the leaders. I kept a a binder that had all the information 30 days prior to when I got there 30 days after. So I could track all the results. I had them fill out surveys. Um, And then I sent all that information back to them slowly back to the, to the owners of the company And sure enough, at the end of the summer, they hit me up and they're like, all right, we have no idea what you're doing, but this is insane. You're like tripling and quadrupling these numbers and these metrics are something we've never seen. You know, come in, let's make this happen. I was like, okay. So I went in, created a pitch deck, pitched it to them. And then for the next two years, uh, long story short, I built out their training systems. I was in charge of all that. Eventually it took over the entire department and I had my own team and I was over all the sales training, leadership training. And then um, a year after being in charge of all that, they also rebranded the company and they knew that I was very active on social media. I've been very active on social media for like 15 years now, like very, very long time. And they knew that. And so they were like, you know, what do you know about marketing? And because at the time their CMO was not doing a good job. And uh, I was like, I mean, I know, I know a thing or two, like I could probably figure it out or whatever. And so I actually, they actually made me the person in charge of marketing as well. So the CMO, yeah, they parted ways with the CMO. I was in charge of the rebrand. They gave me a team. And so now I was in charge of all the sales training. So the leadership training and all the marketing efforts for that company for about two years. When you, Uh, when you
0: pitched them, did you try to get any, um, any shares or ownership in there as part of your package? Nope. All I wanted.
1: No. I, I should
0: have but okay. I was not if I, 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 I would I wasn't smart I, enough dude I was, I would I would have I would have negotiated for you buddy I would've, I would've, you would have you would have got I a nice chunk of that company
1: I, Bro I wasn't smart enough you got to remember I was like I was 25 26 like it's just yeah. maybe 27 like I just I wasn't thinking in that all I was thinking at the time was I don't want to knock doors yeah. I just want a corporate position yeah. that will allow me to stay in this industry and continue to have this this opportunity But not have to, because I mean, dude, I still, even as a corporate position, I was making six plus figures every single year,
0: which is crazy,
1: which, which again, like now, you know, we look at that and we're like, yeah, that's nothing, but yeah, but you're also in your twenties and you're free you're not married. Yeah. It's, it's money, man. It's good money. It's good money. and it's funny you say that because that's actually the exact year that I was getting married, which is why my back was against the wall. And I yeah. was like, I'm going to make this work. Yeah. So anyway, that's, uh, that kind of, that's how that went. Um, and you know, that experience taught me a lot and, and being in that industry and having to basically claw my way to the top, because the other thing that people don't get is that if you're not in that industry is that that doesn't happen. Yeah. Like, to create a corporate position to become an executive of a door-to-door knocking sales company, the only way you do that typically is by having a massive network underneath you.
0: Yeah. Prior to coming even in usually.
1: Prior to coming in. And yeah. then they're yeah. like, okay, you're you'll be an SVP or you'll be an executive or whatever. But yeah. I like yeah. to create an executive position out of thin air, that's Never. that doesn't happen. But I what I did was I figured out how to use the talents and abilities and qualities that I had developed. As a salesman, yeah, to then climb the ladder within the company and and make myself valuable in other ways, but still be able to stay in that same, you know, quite frankly, bubble of opportunity. yeah, yeah. yeah, but, yeah. you know, which is what it is. and i I think uh, the 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 valuable lesson to be learned from that, and it's something that again, goes back to like the accountability thing. We live in a society where people believe that they can negotiate before they add value.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A
1: hundred percent. That's not how it is. No, at all. At all. And, and that's what, that's what I knew going into it is, okay, if I can add enough value here and it's to the point where it's literally invaluable, like I can negotiate anything I want, but I'm not going to negotiate until I add that value. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Which is something, I mean, that's just a lesson on his own, right? I mean, you, yeah. you get a lot of people turning to a mentor, turning to somebody, trying to grow somebody, trying to learn from something. And it's just ask, 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 want, want, want. It should have that mindset. And you're always hear the top entrepreneurs. You go in, give, 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 and hope that you're going to get something back but never have that mindset that you are going to get something back. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask three more questions. Cause we're past right. the hour now. We're, I three questions. Um, fatherhood. What does
1: fatherhood mean to you? Fatherhood. That's a good question, man. Um, Cause nobody's ever asked me just like in general. Uh, I would say it's responsibility. Um, but it's also opportunity, um, responsibility, because I think as parents, it's our responsibility to make sure that they, um, become individuals who they themselves can be proud of. Um, and, and we do that by being an example and by helping them along the way to figure out how to do that themselves. Um, that's what my dad did for me. And, um, And also, you know, I, I wear this bracelet on my wrist all the time, every single day. It says, leave a legacy. Uh, because what I want more than anything is for, is to be able to build something or become something that my kids one day will be proud of. And that they can look back and say, man, like my dad was this and I want to be this, whatever that is. I don't even know that. Right.
0: Yeah. Um, and that could change from now till they turn 20, three, four five different times. Cause that's, that's the whole idea of an entrepreneur. You used a word there that I'm very, very much use on a regular basis. Something I, 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 I pride myself with is being able to pivot.
1: Yeah. And, and that's, that's, you know, the other part is the opportunity. The opportunity yeah. I believe is, is the opportunity for us as parents to once again, give our kids, um, not only a better life than us, because you hear that set, you hear, I I think it's the
0: same word opportunity.
1: Yeah. It's to give them an opportunity to, to have more, to have a greater, more fulfilling life than even we had. And I feel like my life is great and I love my life and it's very fulfilling. If I can make sure that my, my kids have even more and and better, that to me is the point of, it's a provider, you're a provider, which I love it. Protecting and providing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, your wife, what does your wife mean to you,
1: dude, honestly, my wife is, is everything. Uh, my wife is, how do you put that in words? My wife is my, not only my greatest support, but she's like the one person in this world that understands me better than anyone else and is willing to understand me better than anyone else. Uh, she is without her, I don't, I don't know that I have a whole lot of purpose. Like I, I, as, as crazy as that sounds, and maybe some people will disagree with me, but like my wife gives me purpose. My, my wife is someone who I, I love so much and who I, I want to, um, I want to make proud of me. If there's one person in the world, I think right now that I want to be proud of me, it's probably my wife. Um,
0: And as your kids get older, that'll become them as well. Yep. Yep. I love it. I love it.
1: Yeah. When they can process being proud. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: Let's one question I wrote here and I usually don't even, I never take notes. I don't know why I was writing notes today. Um, Coming from a field that you wanted to be in that you loved and you still have a passion for top five movies top 5 best movies that you absolutely love.
1: Oh man, that is such a freaking hard. One. By the way, it's funny you say you took notes because I've had I can't tell you how many people have said that those exact words. Anytime I speak, anytime I train your coach, everyone's like, "I never take notes." Like I'm usually just kind of processing things, but yeah. they, pages anyway. Uh movies. Holy cow, dude, you put me on the spot. There's so many. Um Remember the Titans is probably one of my all time favorite movies yeah that's a good one um absolutely incredible movie Armageddon is actually a great movie it's okay extremely underrated
0: I just started, hear, like, I just started I just started had to started hearing Errol Smith in the background next.
1: <laughs> it's got the comedy it's got the action it's got the romance it's got I mean okay. it's got everything yeah yeah uh, as far as like actual like okay block like like these are the legendary movies though it probably I mean, uh, Braveheart is awesome. One of the best films ever produced in yeah. my opinion, in, yeah. in the industry. Um, Gladiator is another great one. Yeah. The Dark Knight
0: uh yeah the whole the whole all i would say all of them especially the one with uh the oh my god who's the joker that passed away
1: oh yeah the one that's the one i'm talking the dark knight is is the yeah. second movie okay with, okay with Ledger. yeah and like just everything from that very first scene oh when, the bank robbery when, when it was insane Hulk comes out and hits the building and it's yeah. like the sound mixing and everything is just it's unreal it's it's actually like incredible, and it's about
0: bank robbery movies. Uh, how do you? I'm sure you've seen Heat Departed. Heat Depart is good. Have you seen Heat? Oh, Heat's fantastic. Heat's a great movie. Such a good um, movie. The
1: uh, The Departed's a great one. The Town, that's another good that's one. That's a
0: really, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um,
1: pretty much any of the Scorsese films, or like, uh, I love, um, oh my gosh, why can't I think of his freaking name? Uh, ah, uh, Tarantino yeah 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 he's, he's, he's super
0: yeah he's got a lot of yeah paul fiction he's one of them paul fictions is pretty epic i'm a huge my favorite movie of all time is uh i've seen probably about 20 times and my son absolutely loves it. he's seen it about
1: 10 times rocky Four. Oh, the rocky movie yeah they're great of course yeah, <laughs> yeah so that's great.
0: give me a little coles like a two minutes because we didn't talk about it but it is a big part of you and, and, and it's something you talk about in all your podcasts, but just give me a little understanding, a, a two minute a little cold note of, of the Patriot brand.
1: Yeah. So after, um, you know, after I had done the sales thing, uh, with the sales company, I, I was working on marketing a different branch of that same organization. It was a medical device when 2020 hit, uh, I've always been kind of a, the closet conspiracy theorist, right? Like my friends and family, people closest to me knew that I believe certain things, but I never was really vocal about it on my social media or anything like that. When 2020 hit, that's when I, first of all, that's when my boy was, was, you know, he was like a year old. And, uh, and when I saw the riots go down, um, when I saw the, the stuff that was happening that the news wasn't reporting on the bricks being laid the buildings, obvious, obvious manipulation of our, our public and our society to turn us against each other. I, I couldn't not speak up anymore. And, and so I had built a pretty successful platform at the time. Like, I mean, even you said, like you saw me on dropping bombs, like all that happened prior. Yeah. And, and, um, I genuinely thought that I was going to burn everything to the ground. I really thought people were going to think I was crazy. And it was like, everything you've built for freaking 10 plus years on social media is going to go Gone. Yeah. My wife said the same thing, but it was like, I can't not say anything. Uh, not just for myself, but also because if my kids grow up in a world that is absolute chaos, and one day they say, What did my dad do? Like, I want to be able to say, you know what? I may not have made a massive difference, but at least I stood up and said something. And I was one of the few that was willing to. Yeah. So I did, dude. And I started speaking up about conspiracy theories. And I I exposed all the stuff that was happening with the riots. And then I started creating Instagram highlights which goes back to the whole film thing, right? I like yeah. to make movies. So I made these little mini like documentaries on my, they're on my Instagram right now. You can go check them out with. And they, and they,
0: weren't, and they weren't blocked off or cut off.
1: Oh no, they were. We'll, we'll oh,
0: okay. There. Okay.
1: Yeah. So they, uh, they were, they basically had like heavy metal cause I'm a metal head yeah. and I was just kind of starting to expose all this stuff. Right. And rather than my following destroyed it actually blew up and and I was blown away at how many people number one didn't know any of the things I was sharing and number two uh believe the same things I believed yeah. and so we built this massive community and it was like I think I was at like 40,000 followers or something like that and I was like uh, but it was like viral and I was yeah. like okay I don't want to be the guy that's just creating political content I don't want to be the guy that's just the conspiracy theorist dude right so we actually rallied these people together um, I rallied them together, and we started to raise money for businesses that were going to close their doors during the lockdowns. We saved a few businesses. We raised several hundred thousand dollars. Uh, we we raised money for veteran organizations. We we raised money for child trafficking organizations, and we did a lot of really really cool things. You know, Thanksgiving dinners for families that were less fortunate, and through all of this, I realized that at the time, two things. Number one, people wanted to be loud and proud about what they were doing, but they were afraid because they didn't want to be canceled or lose their jobs or whatever. And number two, I realized that the word Patriot was being dragged in the mud by one side and quite frankly, hijacked on the other and that it was becoming this weird politicized thing. And it's like, I've never served. I'm not a, I'm just a civilian, but I have a lot of friends and family who have even more now. And being a Patriot has always been a very noble and very like honorary thing. It's never been this weird political thing. Right. Where now all of a sudden you have to be a certain race or religion or, or color or, or political affiliation to consider yourself patriotic. It's like craziest thing, right? Yeah. And so what I realized was during all of this, all of these people that had thrown money at these businesses and, and these people and these organizations, not one time did any of these people ever ask, what color are they? Did they wear a mask? Are they vaccinated? Are they Democrat? Are they Republican? Yeah. Because you just don't do that. Yeah. Right. The media wants you to think that that's how things are, but they're very good at making the, the 1% seem like the 99%. Yeah, And the 99% of us, we don't ask questions like that before we save somebody from drowning. No, of course right? not. You just pull them out of the water especially when you're an american or canadian yeah. look at the canadians dude the freaking convoy was what actually kicked this whole thing off oh like, yeah you guys it you was, guys are, are who we was, have to think
0: yeah it was pretty crazy what they had how that all they, came they out.
1: exposed it all dude they exposed it all and and so anyway um i realized that that was a thing and so i i decided that i was going to create a way for people to show that and i created the green patriot team and at the time, you know, my buddy has a fulfillment company, so it was easy. We could just print them here in town. And I was like, i ah, would be kind of cool if we get like 50 people to wear this. And dude, it just exploded. We did 300 plus in like two days. And then throughout the next coming months, people were like, well, make of this, make a hoodie, make a hat, make a, you know, make a beanie. And it just kept on flooding in. And we were tens and tens of thousands of dollars in, in revenue. And, um, and we were able to do so many other cool things through that with different organizations and stuff like that. And cool. Then they hit me with a shadow ban. So I was getting no joke, dude. I was not like 9 million impressions a week and like 35 to 40,000 views per story with, with like 60,000 followers.
0: Yeah.
1: Now I'm at a hundred thousand and I'm, I'm lucky if I crack 10,000 10, 10,000 10, views on a story. And I'm, and I'm lucky if I crack a million impressions. Yeah. And, uh, and they shut our Etsy store down and it just all kinds of stuff happened. And, and basically it all came to this point where I was like, okay, I felt called. We talked about fulfillment earlier. Yeah, yeah. I got to a point in my, in my career. Cause I still had my career the whole time I was doing this. Right. Yeah. And I got to a point where I didn't feel fulfilled anymore. And I knew it was time to pivot and I felt called. I actually felt called to do this. And so I left and I went all in on, on, on this whatever this was, it wasn't even official Patriot gear at the time. It was just Patriot clothing and influencing people to stand up. Um, And then we got, you know, close to a year in and I was like, this is something like, this is, this is a brand, this is a movement. And so that's when I used all my skills from my prior career with marketing. And I said, okay, well, here's, here's the message. Here's the mission. And, and here's the brand. And the brand was official Patriot gear and the mission and the message are, patriotism is not partisan it's not exclusive it's not to any one person or individual it's you know america first doesn't mean america only yeah and if you love the people and you love the country and you want it to be free and thrive and grow and you're willing to defend it whether you're american or not no matter what country you're from you're a patriot yeah. and and uh that's what it's about and that's kind of how things have gone and you know now we're we're a year in technically with the like actual business we're 48 countries, dude. We have, we have people wearing Patriot gear in 48 countries. Love and
0: it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. It's it's building a brand, right? Building a brand, building a community around your brand. Like I said, we, we've been at this now for going at this quite January 20th. It'll be 17 years. We've been running our brand. And it's uh we deal. I mean, we design, manufacture. I would say 95% wholesale, um, but uh, we deal with about 1800 accounts right across North America. And it's, and it's just, it's just building a community, building the brand, building the Right. The consistency, the, the, the purpose behind it and and, and having the mission statement stick true to what you're trying to do, right? Which I love everything you're doing. This has been a, an awesome conversation, man. I mean, I, I, when I go into these conversations, I, mean, I never know where they're going to go. And I, that's why I love doing them. That's why I love talking to people. And I love meeting people. And I'm sure... Our relationship is going to continue. I'm sure there's a lot of things we could do to help each other and I love oh, it. And absolutely. and yes, uh, and hopefully I'll get your ass to Canada, Toronto, Canada one day and uh we grab yeah. a we grab a grab a steak dinner and, and 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 get the hangout and stuff. But this has been awesome, you brother. Ski? I appreciate it. Huh? You ski? No, I I I I have four properties on a ski resort that I rent as vacation <laughs> rentals.
1: Bro, what? <laughs> You're Canadian and you have properties on resorts and you don't ski, my man. Don't ski, don't ski, that, buddy. That's where don't our relationship is going next. I snowboard, but I'm going to teach you how to snowboard. Oh, man. I like my legs, buddy. I'm, I am like my legs. No, dude. Well, it's okay. We'll, we're good. Don't worry. This has been awesome, brother.
0: I appreciate it. Any last things or uh, where can our audience get to see you or know you or uh, follow you?
1: Yeah, my Instagram is iwenster, I-W-E-N-D-T-S-T-E-R. You got to type in the full thing. I'm, crazy shadow band. As I said, uh, our Instagram for our company is the official Patriot gear and our websites, officialpatriotgear.com. You know, so if any of that resonates with you guys, grab a t-shirt, grab a hat. Uh, it's all super high quality stuff. You're not buying garbage. That's, you know, just direct to garment or whatever, like it, you're going to wear it all the time, um, and help us spread the message. And, uh, I'm also going to be starting my podcast pretty soon here, the Patriot Podcast, as well as my coaching group, um, Patriots Providers, or sorry, Protectors Providers and Patriots, um, and that's all coming soon. So, yeah, keep an eye out. Once you follow me, awesome.
0: I appreciate this, brother.
1: Thank you so much, man. Yeah, man. Thanks, Jeff. I'll see you.